Hey guys, this is Pastor Josh from Fresh Church. We are so excited that you are joining us for our podcast today. I do want to tell you that we pray at Fresh Church that you would get involved in the local church in your city. The Bible says that those that plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. And a podcast and an online experience, a YouTube uh, sermon is amazing, but it does not replace the local church, the hope of the world, the community, the family that God has placed all of us in. And so we hope you find that and we hope you enjoy this message today. That worship right there, come on, that was good. Man, so good, so good to see you guys. Man, this has been a hard week for me. Like, you guys know pastors have a hard week too, right? It's been a hard week for me. Going through a lot of transition in our church, which is awesome right now. It's so good. I want to tell you that it's good. The best is ahead for this city, for our church, for you. I want you to know that. I want you to believe that. I want you to come here expecting that. Um, and so through transition, there's always loss. But then on top of transition, I, I get a, uh, um, right in the middle of a meeting that I'm having with somebody, um, I get a text from one of my friends, and they said, hey, have you heard about so-and-so? And I'm like, um, and I immediately know that either he was shot or he killed himself. And, uh, and unfortunately, it was the second. And a lot of you, if you're on social media, you're in the Christian world at all, then you may have heard that um, Pastor Jared Wilson out of, uh, uh, from Harvest Bible Church in California um, committed suicide this week. And, and Jared was a good friend of mine. I talked to him three weeks ago on the phone. And I've been battling with depression for a long, long, long time. Battling with some suicidal thoughts. And let me tell you, if you are dealing with suicidal thoughts in here um, for more than 63 days straight, then you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to get help. If you know of anybody that is, has been battling with suicidal thoughts for more than 63 days, because it takes almost 63 days from the thought of conception to the actual act in most people's lives. Because here's what happened. I, I immediately, I mean, I had to go to counseling on Wednesday, and I had to go, you know, like, you, you got to help me through this, you know, because, I, I, I mean, it was a really hard week for me. Because it's one thing when you hear about somebody doing that. It's another thing when you know them, when you know their wife, when you know their kids. And I was angry. I was really angry. I was really sad, but I'm also really angry because I know him. I know his wife. I know his kids. And I was, and I was really angry. Because in reality, it's a selfish act. And I don't mean that in any, any, any ways because I know that when that happens, that, that it's just like cancer that's in your body physically. There's so many people that are dealing with cancer mentally. 
But here's the issue with that. When people are dealing with cancer mentally, we don't say, oh, stop working, stop doing this, you know. No, because if, if, if Tara was dealing with physical cancer, guess what? She would be in the hospital. We would be doing everything that we possibly could. She wouldn't be working anymore. She wouldn't be striving anymore. She wouldn't be doing anything but destroying the cancer that's in her body. But then yet when it comes to mental health, we're just sitting there going, okay, yeah, you got to press on, brother. You got to just keep on going. You got to just believe. You just got to do this and this and this and some people it's beyond that and they need to be checked in somewhere they need help because it's cancer do you not see that and so if you're battling with that and you even remotely have the slightest bit of, ca of cancer that's forming into a suicidal thought or whatever it is then first of all if you're even remotely battling with it then you've got to go to a counselor you've got to go to a doctor just like some people just may have a little bit of cancer in their body but guess what they do they go and they immediately get the help that they need from the doctor because I am tired of seeing the enemy take out strong men and women of God because there's a plan on your life that he has for every single one of you in here. And you need to know that you matter to the world. When I was dealing with some depression myself that I was going through, and I remember I was, I was uh, um, uh, typing in on on podcasts. I was just like, I, I just need to hear something. I just need to hear somebody because yes, the Lord in scripture over and over again tells you, but you need to have other people. There's some people in here that just need to, you need to go and tell somebody this, you matter. I literally typed that into a podcast one day when I was just down. When I was just like, do, do I even matter? Does anybody care? And so I know that, that God's been putting it on my heart to even, I, and I'm just praying through it, and you guys pray through it with me, but even to start a podcast just titled, You Matter. And like giving people hope because they matter. Like you matter. I want to tell you something. You matter because you are an image bearer. You are an image bearer of God. When he created you, it wasn't that he just breathed life into you because he breathed life into everything, okay? But, and that's very important that he did breathe life into the nostrils of man. And so we have the very breath of God within us. And that's another reason that we matter. But we also matter because we are an image bearer of God. Do you know that? Like God created you in his image. In his image. So Jesus comes to earth and he says, when you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. And I wonder if the goal of Christianity is, is that, to go, but because of the cross, because of Jesus' redemption, because of Jesus' grace, because of Jesus' blood, because of Jesus' righteousness, because of Jesus' justification of our sins, then we should be able to be an image bearer to everybody we see. And when they see us, they see the Father. Amen. What if we begin to live like that? Because it was a hard week this week. And I want to tell you, get help if you're in here today and you need some help. We will do everything that we can to help you. Because there's a lot of people in here, you feel like you're in a Job season. You ever read the story of Job in the Bible? It's a long story. But it's an amazing story. Here's a man that is completely righteous, and in that day and age, um, it, it was, they believed in a worldview of if you were doing evil, then you would be smitten by God. 
you would not be blessed. But if you were a righteous man, if you were doing right, then the blessing of God would be upon your life. And so here we have Job, and he is a righteous man. And the Lord says, there's no other like him. And Satan comes to him because, see, here's the thing for your life. You always have, there are two people that are planning for your life, God and the enemy. There were two people that had a plan for my friend's life. And I want to listen to the plan of the Lord for my life. I want the plan of the Lord for my life. But the enemy had a plan for Job. The enemy's like, oh, watch this guy. Let's take everything away from him. Take all his blessings away. Take his babies away. Take his wife away. Take his house away. You put a hedge of protection around him. No wonder he blesses you so much. Lord says, there's still no other like Job. You can test him, but you're not going to destroy him. Let me tell you, you may be going through some battles and some tests right now. But the Lord's plan for you is never to destroy you. Job is crying out sometimes. Job is going, God, why have you destroyed me? My life is in utter pieces. I have nothing left. I've literally got sickness all over my body. All of these things, like, what are you doing? Like, you read the story of Job. You read the things that he says to God. And I want to tell you, God is big enough to handle some of your biggest complaints. God is not there going, like, oh, you you just got to say nice things to me all the time. Because God knows who he is. So he can take it. There's nothing that we could ever come to the Lord and complain against him that he couldn't take. Because guess what? He would still look at you and say, I know you're mad. I know you're this. But hey, Job, did you, were you there when I created the world? Were you there when I created the bear? Were you there when I created the men? Were you there when I did this and this and this? Were you there? Were you there when I breathed everything into creation? Would you just not know that even though you're going through the worst time of your life, that I still have a plan for you, that I still have good for you, that this is not going to last forever? Scholars say that the story of Job was literally about nine months to a year and a half of his time. And here's something that we say from the story of Job. We we, we even sing this, and it's bad theology. The Lord gives and takes away. You give and take away. You give and take away. And we're singing that, and it's not. The Lord doesn't take away. The Lord gives. Because Job doesn't even say that. Read the story. Okay, like, 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 like you, you, you just need to know that, that, in, in, that, that we serve a God that gives. In fact, here's what happened. Job had to go through those nine and a half, uh, those nine months and year and a half of hell in his life. But guess what? The Lord restored double to him what everything else was taken away. He got double. How about double for your troubles, huh? Amen. He restored it two times, the Bible says. The Bible says, because why? Because he's a God that gives. Because here was this man that was going through it, but yet, at the end of the day, he doesn't understand. He's mad. He's angry. But there comes one thing that says, my heart will still praise you. My heart will still praise you. I, I know for me and my family, 
it seems like for the last four or five years, ever since we stepped on foot in Nashville, Tennessee, it has felt like we have been trying to be crushed from all sides. But the Bible says, I am crushed, but I'm not destroyed. I am pressed in on all sides, but God is still with me. That he is still for me. That he is not against me. See, here's what it comes down to. When you get into times of trouble like that, when you get into times where it seems like you're literally living the story of Job, here's three things that I believe that have helped me get through it, okay? Trust, victory, and freedom. Trust, victory, and freedom. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all of your heart, all of your soul, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision that you make. You see, when life begins to throw everything at you and you feel like you're suffering and you feel like you can't go on, the question is this, do you really trust God? Do you really trust him? Do you really trust that he is good? Do you really trust that he will deliver you? Do you really trust that he is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do? Because if you don't trust, you're going to take matters into your own hands and then you're going to begin to trust in your own understanding and you're going to trust on your opinions and you're going to trust on your heart and you will be led astray. But if you really trust the Lord and you rely on him with um, not your opinions, but on the opinion of who he is, on the character of who he is then your heart can rely on him and he will guide you and lead you into every decision that you make and it will turn out for good but you've got to trust you've got to trust Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing don't worry about a thing, Prophet Bob Marley, because every little thing, come on, it's going to be all right, y'all. Let's go. Baby, don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right, and our trust is in God. Be saturated in prayer. What are you saturated more in? Netflix? The people that you talk to? Instagram? Social media, your best friend. What are you saturated? Do you know what saturated means? It means like you are soaked. I remember growing up, man, we used to go to this theme park um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was called Carowinds at the time. I don't know what it's called now. But it was an awesome, awesome theme park. And they had my favorite ride as a middle school boy was that, was that boat ride. You know what I mean? It's like that boat ride. But it wasn't even the boat ride. It was like standing on the bridge, right? You know, after the ride where the boat comes down and you're standing on the bridge and then it's like a tsunami just hits you, especially you're a middle school boy. And I was only like 90 pounds. You know what I'm saying? So it was awesome. I mean, that thing would hit me and I'd just be like, yeah, I was saturated. When's the last time you were like that in the presence of the Lord? Where you literally, but here's the thing. The only way I got saturated is if I put myself in position to be saturated. 
What are you putting yourself in position for? Like, how are you putting yourself in position, placing yourself before the Lord to be saturated in prayer, to be saturated in thanksgiving, to be saturated in praise? And when you get to that point where you're suffering, you don't need to go and saturate yourself in drugs. You don't need to go saturate yourself in sex. You don't need to go saturate yourself in porn. You don't need to go saturate yourself in all of the things that the enemy's like, yes, 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 go saturate yourself in that. And that's our problem. We're saturating ourselves in things that we're never supposed to saturate ourselves in and we wonder why we feel empty after we do it God is like no get on your knees saturate yourself in prayer each day offering your faith-filled requests God I don't see it but I'm believing you for it come on I don't see it but I'm believing you for it before God with overflowing gratitude overflowing gratitude saturate yourself in prayer Learn to trust him. Learn to trust him. Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28. So we are convinced. Are you convinced that every detail of your life is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives? For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purposes. Come on, somebody. Are you convinced? Meaning are you fully trusting? Paul's writing this. He's, he's going through so much suffering in his life. He's got a thorn in his flesh. When's the last time somebody tried to kill you? When's the last somebody, it may have felt like somebody tried to on social media, tried to take you out, somebody gossiped about you, somebody, done, but no, Paul literally had people trying to kill him. Running for his life. Didn't know where he was going to eat sometimes. Going from city to city. Why? Because he had a design purpose to fulfill. But he still, in the midst of all that, trust. We are convinced. We are convinced that every detail of our life is continually woven together to fit his plan. Notice it's his plan, not yours. It's his plan, not yours. So when you get into that place of suffering, how are you going to trust? The second, how do you declare victory? I love that song that we sing. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. I love it. 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 Why? Because the war is his and he has already won. L listen to what it says in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. So death, tell me, where is your victory? Tell me, death, where is your sting? Let me tell you who your enemy is. He is the prince of death. The Bible speaks of the enemy as he does not want to just go up to you and give you a noogie. You know what I'm saying? Like, like when somebody's just like, uh, you know, grabs your head in like middle school and is like, ah, man, da, 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 you know, I'm going to just put you through a little bit of pain. I'm just going to put you through a little bit of suffering, you know. Let me, let me give you like a red belly, you know what I mean? I, was, I remember I had getting a red belly from like a senior in high school one time because I was on the wrestling team. It was like freshman orientation, 
pull up your shirt. Boom, boom, boom. Somebody beating on my belly. I was like, ah, what is this? That's not what the devil wants to do to you. It says that he is like a lion, that he is constantly going around seeking to destroy and devour. He wants to devour you because he is the prince of death. That's what the Hebrews, that's what the Jewish people thought. When they thought Satan, they automatically thought death. He brings death in everything that he is. So when Jesus, when we sing about that mighty cross and we sing victory, when Jesus comes into the world, when Jesus dies on the cross, this verse comes a reality because he goes in and he gets the keys of death and hell and then he is the one that now holds them. He is the one that now has victory. And so that's why he says, tell me, where is your victory, Satan? Tell me, where, what can you do? Where is your sting? Where is your death? You have no death. You have no power over me. When you give Jesus the keys to your heart, when you say, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life, and I am washed in the blood, the blood of Jesus gives you complete victory. So death no longer has any power over you. Death no longer can reign in your life because God has saved you. He's redeemed you. You don't have any power over me, prince of death, any longer. Because you have complete victory. So live like it. So many of us, we, we treat our spiritual lives like it's this, this, this football game. Like every single week, we got to go in and we're like, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, like this team could win this game or, or this team could win this game. I don't really know. No, 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 no. You show up like you are the winningest football team ever. You are undefeated. You are a million to zero. You have won every single time. You don't have to wake up and go, am I going to make it through the day? Because I know I can because I have victory. I'm on the winning team. Doesn't mean the enemy's not going to come. Doesn't mean that you don't still have to play football. But you've got to go out there with the mindset of, I've already won. I've already won today. Why am I letting the enemy tell me that I could be defeated? Because according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, death has no hold on me ever again. If I am in Christ. See, write this down if you're taking notes. As sons and daughters, we fight from victory, not for it. As sons and daughters of Christ, we fight this fight from victory. We're not fighting for it. There's been so many times where I feel like I've been fighting for my life, where I feel like I've been fighting for my family, where I feel like I've been fighting for victory. And this week, God wrecked my mind of going, no, 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 no. You don't fight from a place for victory. You fight from victory. There's a huge difference when you walk out onto the field and you already know that you've won. I remember there's a couple times like that, like whether you believe it or not, I was like a, a, a wrestling champion back in the day and, and, uh, and all 103 and 112 pounds of me in high school, it was awesome, you know, but there was a couple dudes, man, they walked out on the mat, they already knew that they were defeated and I already knew that I won and, and it was like over in 45 seconds. And, 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 and can I tell you that some of the, the, the battles that you're fighting against the enemy right now, 
You just need to stand up today. You just need to declare the victory over your life. And you just need to go, you're going down in 45 seconds. I don't even have to deal with this anymore because I am going to live my life from victory. It's over. Get behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus because I've been bought and redeemed. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. And the God of peace will satisfy, will swiftly pound Satan to a pulp. Oh, I love it. Under your feet, and the wonderful favor of our Lord Jesus will surround you. Let me give you some other keys to victory. Put on your armor, and I'm not talking about under armor. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. Ephesians. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you are protected as you confront the slanderer who is already defeated. For you are destined for all things and will rise. Come on, somebody say it. Say it like you're doing from like a place of victory. Victorious. Put on truth as a belt to strengthen you. Who is all truth? Jesus, to stand in triumph, put on holiness as the protective armor that covers your heart. So I put on holiness over my heart. Who is holiness? Jesus, stand on your feet alert. Then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield. Who is your faith? Who is always faithful to you? Who died for you when you weren't faithful? Jesus, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. So all I got to do to wake up in victory is just to go less of Josh Hawk, more of Jesus today. I'm an image bearer of you, Jesus. I'm an image bearer of your hope, of your righteousness, of your peace. So I want more of you, less of me. Come on, somebody. This is what we do. Our hope, everything, our armor is Jesus himself. It's Jesus himself. And then go get you some brothers and sisters that really love you. Because the armor in the, the Roman world, it was from the front. But you know why they didn't worry about the back? Because in Roman warfare, their brother was always behind them. They always had somebody behind them. So they didn't worry about their back because they were already protected. Some of you were going to have... Fresh group sign-ups this week and next week, and you need to get into a group, and you need to get some brothers, and you need to get some sisters, because you don't have anybody protecting your back. And you think you do, but you don't. Don't just wear the armor and then not have anybody on your back. See, when we sang that song today, I'm going to see a victory. One of my favorite lines is when he goes, and I know how this story ends. <clears throat> I love it. He says it twice. And I know how this story ends. See, when the enemy starts telling me, your story is going to be this way. Your story is going to go that way. Your story is going to do this. Your story is going to do that. Then I just have to go, I know how this story ends. I'm going to see a victory. Come on. I'm going to see a victory. Because I already know how the story ends. It ends 
with me stomping on your head. It ends with Jesus destroying you. It ends with no more lies. It ends with complete and utter victory. So I will live from victory today. Come on, somebody. Because I know how the story ends. Tell the devil, I know how the story ends. Tell the slanderer, I know how the story ends. Tell the accuser, I know how the story ends. That's what allowed David to walk out in the field and go, I'm not worried about any giants. That's what that lyric says. I don't worry about any giants because I know how the story ends. He walks out onto the battlefield already knowing that he's going to win. Already a victor in his mind. Walk into Monday. Walk into to, to the next meeting, to lunch, after church, knowing that you have complete victory. Victory is yours. I love that old hymn, Victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. My Savior forever. I have victory, victory, victory. But not only do you have victory, you also have freedom. When you get in that place of suffering, you've got to trust. When you get in that place of suffering, you've got to declare victory. When you get in that place of suffering, you have to declare freedom. John chapter 8, verse 36. So if the Son, Jesus sets you free from sin through his blood, then become a true son, become a true daughter, and be unquestionably free. See, a lot of us, we get this point. The son has set me free from sin. Great. The son has set me free from sin. That's awesome. I came, I prayed a prayer one time, I got baptized. The son set me free. That's awesome. But then you don't walk out of here, a son or daughter, unquestionably free. unquestionably free. And I want to get to the point in my life where I just know I'm free. I want to live out the second part. The first part's important, but I think the second part's even more important that Jesus is saying. They go hand in hand. But, but, but if, 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 if we are free, but yet nobody sees us as free, and the Lord's been challenging me on that too, because there's been a lot of things in my own life where I'm sitting there going, I'm not living free. That's why yesterday I was praying and I was listening to a message about baptism, and we're going to have baptism in just a minute. You know what the Holy Spirit said? He goes, you need to get rebaptized, Josh. And I was like, why? I got baptized when I was a kid. I understood what I was doing. Why do I need to get rebaptized? He said, well, first of all, Jesus got baptized. If he got baptized, you know you need to. And, 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 and second of all, there's something about when you go into that water. See, in the, um, in the Jewish world that they were living in, the Jordan flew, flowed into the Dead Sea. So when you got baptized, you're going into the Jordan River. And there is a death that then happens. And all of the sin that is on you, that is keeping you from being free, flows into the sea of death, and you come up in to existence again 
brand new. So if you're going through a season where you need some freedom, I just want to encourage you. One of my favorite pastors, he got baptized six times. He's 80-something years old, and he's like, I got baptized six times because there were some moments in my life where I wasn't free. I wasn't living. Like, death was defeated. And so I just knew I needed to do it again. And I can't wait until I go to Israel one day. I'm going to be the first one in that river. I'm going to be like, I don't even care where we're going. I want the river of Jordan right now. Come on, take me there. I need to get baptized into the river. You need to preach John 8, 36 to yourself over and over again. Every time the enemy comes at you, you just need to say, if the Son has set me free, then I am free indeed. I am unquestionably free. I do not need to listen to you because I am free. I am free. But here's what you need to know. Write this down. We are not just free from something. We are free for something. You are not just free from your sin. It is a blessing that you are free from your sin, but you are free for something. Look at what Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19 says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope. Somebody say hope. For the poor. Freedom. Say freedom. For the brokenhearted and new eyes for the blind. And to preach to the prisoners, you are what? Set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. You see, this is the message of freedom that Jesus came to bring. And so when he sets us free, then we preach his message. We just preach what, the, what our leader tells us to go out into the world and preach. And so as somebody that's free now, we say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord has now anointed me, and he has uh, anointed me to be hope. For the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind. There's some people in your life that can't see what you see, and you need to go tell them that you're walking blindly. And preach to the prisoners. There are people that are not just physical prisoners, but they are literal prisoners to their sin right now. They're prisoners to their depression. They're prisoners to their anxiety. They're prisoners to their life. And we need to go that we have come to share the message that Jesus came to set you free. There's people that are suffering right now. And they need us to share the message of jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. We are free to set others free. We are only free to help set others free. Jesus' mission is our mission. So when we are suffering, we trust. When we have a week that seems like it's from hell, we trust. We declare victory. We begin to think of all the victories that he has given us along the way, and we begin to think about the victory that's ahead. We begin to count our blessings instead of counting our problems. 
So many of you, you're counting your problems, and all of your problems are just adding up in your world. When God says, no, 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 shift. Somebody say shift. You need to shift to your blessings. Start counting your blessings. The old hymn, name them one by one. Count your blessings to see what the Lord has done. And Sister Mildred's like, count your many blessings. Count them one by one. We literally had a Sister Mildred in the choir, the old little church choir, that I, that, the old little Baptist church I grew up in. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. We'd sing that song. Have you counted your blessings? What's your perspective? What are you set on? Because in the midst of suffering, you trust that those blessings are still going to be there. You live from victory and you declare that you have been set free. And with that freedom, you go in to help others be set free.